0: Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. As creative entrepreneurs, starting new businesses and projects are integral to your work. But how do you develop something new when your past business ventures have failed? Alicia Cologne is a serial creative entrepreneur stepping into her fifth business, and she is back on the show to share how she is approaching it differently this time. From understanding her strengths to being more analytical and intentional in journaling what she's doing, Alicia shares several tasks we could all improve within our own businesses. We also talk about her podcast, The Fifth Try, the need to balance short-term needs and long-term growth, how she's moving from a scarcity to an abundance mindset, and her rubric for what she says yes to do. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 647. Funny thing I was thinking about, Alicia, when we were talking What before I hit start was you said, I am a verbal processor. And I started laughing because I never once thought that I was a verbal processor until I was having a conversation with a mutual friend, Diane Gibbs, and mm. I just blurted out, I think I'm a verbal processor. <laughs> I just, I, I, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the verbal processing hour.
1: That's pretty much what this is going to be. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I, you know, I've been with my husband for like a long time now. It's like 18 years, I think. And, uh, he's like, are you just verbal processing right now? Or do you want me to actually respond? I'm like, no, I'm just processing. You just keep listening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so freeing though, when you can finally admit that you are a verbal processor. Cause I just, I, I, I didn't understand why I would get so frustrated when my wife would be like wanting to solve problems when I was just like wanting to talk, but I didn't understand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like the noodles don't connect until like, I'm actually talking. Like I have way more ideas. Um, yeah, I have way more ideas when I'm in active dialogue with somebody. And so, that's why I think presentations just generally don't sit well with me because I have to like sit down and actually like think, but like, there's no one in my little like desk here to like talk to. Um, (laughs) so yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, for people who haven't heard from you in a while, who are you and what are you up to right now?
1: Wow. Okay. So who am I? Um, you know what? if you asked me probably four months months ago, four weeks ago or a month ago before I laid off, that answer would have been so much easier. Um, But I think because I identified a lot with like what I'm currently doing or what I'm currently being paid for, right? But I think if I had to, now that I've been stripped of that title, not necessarily stripped, but I'm choosing to take it off. um, If I had to re imagine my title, it would be a serial creative, like not like serial, like, you know, Fruity Pebbles, but like serial, like over and over and over again. Um, and what that means is that like, I, I jump from one creative interest into another, but they all are very related to uh, photography. And so what I did before was I was a creative operations for an agency, Um, And so I kind of helped. I was kind of like at the traffic, you know, the stoplight of like, hey, you come this way, you come this way. How's the traffic flowing? Are we, you know, are we doing this all really well and coordinated and our clients exceptionally happy? I kind of sat at the middle of the the cross, you know, section of all of those and the different teams. But now that I have more of a opportunity to kind of reinvent what I do or perhaps maybe you know cut the chaff and, and focus more on what really brings me joy, I'm focusing more on entrepreneurship. I'm launching a new business uh, around paper craft. I, I used to be a paper illustrator. Uh, so what that means is I created items out of paper structural pieces. I would photograph them for magazines or website imagery um, and then Like they would use that in their campaigns, but I'm not doing that anymore. So what I'm doing is I'm taking those paper craft skills. I'm kind of uh, reducing them down into something that is very minimal and easy for others to put together. And then I'm selling those files online so people can, you like, so you could, you know, you download the files, cut them out, and then you could put it, whatever it is together. Um, So that is, that is the predominant focus of what I'm doing right now.
0: That's awesome. And I love that description of what you were doing for the agency, because in a way, I can see you doing that for yourself, where you have mm. all of these different interests all connected to photography. If you don't have a traffic cop, like you get into a lot of trouble, I imagine.
1: <laughs> right. It, they all kind of collide, and you don't know what the priority is and what you should focus on and or how to even uh, repurpose or reuse content or effort. So yeah, it definitely is really helpful to have someone that has that overarching thought and, you know, oversight.
0: Is entrepreneurship the traffic cop then?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. I think right now, (laughs) so I am definitely juggling. I don't really know the answer to that.
0: Honestly. You mentioned juggling though. Like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, so I am juggling. Let's see, the so the paper craft business mm-hmm. is going to be a long term one. That's not something that you can just turn a faucet on and like start making money, you know. And and all of a sudden, you know, everybody wants SVG files for their cricket or Silhouette or Brother. Like, no, that's not going to happen. So I am also at the crosshairs, or the cross, the crosshairs, the cross function of trying to figure out how I am going to make money more immediately because the thing that I have decided, unless of course a job that like lands on my plate and I'm like, this is an amazing opportunity. Mm -hmm. I am going to try to bring back my photography business and got to figure out like, I'm, I'm really excited about it, but I got to figure out what that looks like. And, you know, is it private meaning that's going to be more like wedding wedding, families, children kind of things, or is it going to be more commercial? Um, I have experience in both of them. And so I have to, so the entrepreneur in me, so kind of, you know, circling back to your question, I have to figure out now that I'm going to have essentially two businesses that I run, one that's going to be able to provide for my family a, a little bit more quickly and I would say more substantially than the other, but the other one is the paper one is more where my heart's at. Um, I have to figure out how those two things can overlap and how those efforts can not be so overwhelming.
0: I'm so glad you're bringing your photography business back because that's when I first learned about you was when you were full on in photography mode. And it's not to say that your paper crafting is not exceptional, but it's just like when we first discover someone, that's kind of how we remember them. And you are an exceptional photographer. So I'm, I'm so glad that you're, you're going to be doing that, but I also love that you're going to have that coexisting between the thing that you truly love and the things Mm -hmm. that, that make life, um, (laughs) happen, you know, that makes life happen in a lot of ways.
1: Right. The thing that pays the bills and the things that you hope would pay the bills eventually, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's a long-term game and, and balancing it. And I think for me, what I was just thinking, like earlier today, is that when you're just starting out, I guess there could be like a lot of things that you do. But for me, there's a little bit of things that I need to do every day to push the needle just a little bit. So that means that actually brings um, for like for the paper craft business. So that means that actually I have a pretty good chunk of my day uh, reserved for the other thing. So so I can actually run these two businesses because essentially while I'm waiting for these little, you know, um, so like for instance, uh, with the paper craft today, I sent out emails to influencers in the party space and, in the DIY craft space. Right. Um, so I'm still doing my post and whatnot, but I kind of have to wait for these people to email me back. And while I'm doing that, like, I guess I could be working on my next product, or I could be trying to get my website up for this other wedding photography business. Um, so all of that to say is that there are pockets of time where I'm waiting for other things to happen then I can kind of weasel something in or I can I can fit it in so both of these things can happen simultaneously
0: how do you manage the emotions when you're in the period of waiting because I think I know I know I hate where this question is <laughs> going to I see I see the eye rolls <laughs> yeah like, sorry that feeling of just like patience and, you know, not weaseling too much in and allowing that breathing room so that you can not overburden yourself.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that for me, what's happening and this might not be healthy is that I am packing in my schedule in order for me not to have to feel those emotions. Because if I feel like I am being productive in the day, if I feel like I am um, pushing a couple of needles forward, then something will make money or something will will catch me. So one thing, <laughs> this is horrible. Um, I would suggest everybody not to do this is, you know, checking their phone like 20 times, you know, like every 30 minutes, like Oh my gosh. It's when it got to the point where I have to like block social. So it's like I go and I do what I need to do and then I block social. So then it's like, I don't get um, tunnel visioned or like, you know, want to rabbit hole and see what all those things are. Um, But another thing that I've started doing, and it really helps with the emotions so much because the patience for me is related to fear. And if I have patience, it means that I have trust. If it means that I'm content. it means that I am sure that something is going to happen. I have a confidence there, right? But if I am fearful, that means that I am not patient um, specifically in this, mm-hmm. you know, in this arena in this um, season. So one of the things with fear that can really trip me up is wondering, am i making the right moves do do i know uh the the moves that i'm going to make are they going to have the results that i need um do i have a plan if you know something goes sideways and i have you know i need a b plan or i need to pivot or whatever and so what i've learned in the past is that in my previous businesses so i've had 4 previous businesses. And honestly, I've had way more than that before I can actually name. So we're just, I'm just sticking with those four. And, um, what I've realized is that in, on all of those past instances, I, I never related cause and effect. Like I kind of looked at the data and I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. But I never wrote things down. So for instance, and this is the level of, um, this is like the level of like nuance or detail that I'm trying to capture. Um, is I never wrote down what was the product name? What were the keywords that I put underneath there? And from an SEO perspective, like how much lead time did I have? What was my marketing efforts? What, you know, um, how much was I charging? Like all of these things. Um, because what I'm realizing is that if I recorded that, for my previous business, I'm I would now have had a little bit more of kind of like a, a higher step on the ladder, if you will, or a little bit further along in the mountain trek. I wouldn't have started at base camp anymore. Um, because I would have learned lessons that would then, you know, drive new actions. I would, I would have a little bit more confidence in the decisions that I was making. So what I've decided to do is to start doing that pretty, pretty anally. So, so what I'm doing now is I'm writing all of those things down. I'm writing, okay, I have ads on, I have the, I have ads on this, this thing. These are my, this is my click rate. This is what my thumbnail picture is. Um, Okay. Now I'm changing my thumbnail picture to be this. Let's see if that makes a difference from an A, B thing. So it, so I'm being way more analytical and, and uh, versus emotional, meaning, before I would always just kind of like, ah, no one's buying it, no one likes it, um, it's gonna fail, blah blah blah, and I was just in my emotions. Where now I'm more of like, okay, I really do think that there's a scientific method here that I can use to actually verify whether or not, like, a, this is a good product, or b, uh, maybe I'm just not showcasing it well enough, and I, there's just some iteration that I need to do. So that concept for me has come from something called in crucial conversations it's a conver, it's um it's a it's a book and essentially what they were saying was whenever you're dealing with somebody who has a lot of emotion, right? And I forgot what part of brains this was, but I I remember that the emotions are happening in one part of your brain and like logical and analytical thinking are happening in another one, right? And whenever we get that like blood flush, because like we're really upset, we're in the emotional and we're not in the logical. Um, So meaning like a, you know, 1 plus 1 equals 2, A, B, then C, uh, things like that. And so if we're having a crucial conversation with somebody and they are in the emotional, you know, wrapped up in that, if we can get them into that logical or into that analytical standpoint, their emotions actually come down. And, of course, it has to be done, like, very well. <laughs> like You can't just be like, I'm so mad at you. Well, what is, what is 4 plus 4? You know, like, it's just... <laughs> It has to be a little bit more contextual than that. Um, but from that book, I've learned that like, that's a, that's actually a very good way to kind of bring things back down. And so I was thinking, wow, this would have a twofold. If I was analyzing and did this like business journal, I would have a twofold, you know, reaping of benefits. One, I would get more information. And two, I'm practicing being analytical instead of emotional, and dealing with this, and that will give me more confidence than less fear and more patience as the business mm. moves on. So that was a very roundabout way to answer your question.
0: I love it though, too, because in in a way, you're describing, at least to me, the difference between art and design. Like I know that's mm. a hot topic where you know you have art yeah. separate from design. But in, in many ways, design is very much more about the logical, analytical function Absolutely. of art. yes. Whereas art is often the emotional co- connection to what we're producing. And that's not to say that we can't have both, but it's just like you have to learn how to control both of them, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when it comes to business.
1: Yeah, that's a really great analogy. That's a really great analogy because with design, I mean, you have strategy, you have UX, you have, you know, functionality, um, accessibility, you have so many things that you need to think about, but at the same time, it also has to look really good. It has to draw people in. I mean, I know like whenever I'm looking at software, sometimes I just, the software might do what I need it to do, but I will choose something else because it just doesn't look good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So for businesses, you're on to your fifth. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you have to ask yourself, like, what is it about business that I just love?
1: The answer that comes comes to mind for me about this is, oh my gosh, I was talking to another friend, his friend, his name is Chris as well, which is really funny, and he says you have to have a good bit of self loathing and like like cheerful, like love of risk. Like it was just, <laughs> it's so funny, and it's like, yeah, I think you're right, but um. I just think that it is built in who I am to, oh my gosh, there's two things I want to really say. And I, I don't know how to like, it, it's built in who I am. And these two particular personality things are the things that I've discovered about myself. So one is the gyms. Um, so I, I would say about a year, two years ago, I did a conference and the conference taught about these like gem personalities and Pearl Sapphire. Have you ever heard of these Pearl Sapphire gem, um, rubies, not gem Pearl Sapphire, Pearl Sapphire, Ruby emeralds. That's what it is. What I've learned is that there's like four main groups of people and everybody has a wing, whatever. And, um, you either have like the fun, loving party going people. You have the people who really care about others. You have other people who are very analytical. And then you have the other people who are like, just not happy if they're not in charge. Right. Like, and I'm like, Oh, I'm that last one. Like I, I love leading. I love um, corralling people to go like, hey, this is the direction that we're gonna go. I love ideating. Um, if it's a challenge, I love to do it. like meaning some people are like, oh my gosh, that seems too hard or whatever. And for me, I'm like that is really exciting. That means that's something to overcome, right? And so um my hobbies have always been also things that are difficult. So crossFit jiu-jitsu, it's like, how can I put things, you know, lift heavy things and and make sure that I don't get choked. I mean, like those things <laughs> are really fun for me. And that's very quintessential Ruby. So I feel like part of it is just who I am. It's just hired, wired into me. But the other thing, the other personality test, and it's not really a personality test. It's more like a working test. This is by Patrick Liancioni. It's called The Working Genius. It just came out. Um, he's been developing that now for a few years. Uh, but it, the book just came out like, gosh, three, three months ago. Um, and he talks about the type of like work that you really love to do. And the work that I really love to do is in the inventive arena. Like I love getting into a scenario going like, oh my gosh, we could combine this and this, and it would create this, and this would help in this, you know, this different way. It's how, uh, I think I discovered papercraft, going like I could, I could create, you know, create things out of paper or tangible images, and create like really interesting still life. Um, and I could make a business out of it. That'd be amazing, and it was successful for a little bit. And then from there, I was able to. Now I'm in this papercraft thing, going like, okay, I think papercraft is on the way out from a business perspective because of AI. Um, from like a from a commercial photography perspective, because I think you know, that is just, it's just going to be taken over. But people, consumers are still going to want to make things in their house. Like I think generally speaking, there are still a lot of crafty ladies out there that just want to make things with their hands. And as we get more digital, those tangible things are going to actually be be way more precious. So I'm like, all right, well, I can, I can do that. I mean, in jujitsu, I ended up creating this notebook that ended up selling out. So like I, cre- I was like, Hey, Like we're learning all of these different things and there's not a jujitsu notebook out there that's, you know, segmented in a way that like, that would be really easy for us to recall what we need to do and write it down in a way that would be really helpful for us to remember. And I ended up printing, you know, like it was only 20 of them, but they sold out. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. So you combine those two parts of who I am. I really love to be in charge of, of my own schedule and of what I'm doing you know, and then you add the, I really like to invent things. And then at that point, you end up getting this force that it's like, it has to be a pretty remarkable job for me to work for somebody, you know, which I think why I stayed at focus lab for, I stayed for focus lab at six years and it was the most I've ever stayed at any, any place. And it was because they gave me free reign every once in a while I had client work, but for the most part, they just were like, Just make things like whatever you like, whatever you see, because I was there for commercial photography and I I did have some commercial photo shoots that I had to do, which was still really fun because I got to lead my little squad of photographer people. So that was fun. Uh, But my day-to-day job was like, hey, this brand designer is creating this imagery or not this imagery, but this logo. How could we create sets with that logo or how could we could we you know expand that brand into photography and what would that look like or and with you know sets and whatnot they gave me so much free space which is why I think I ended up staying there for so long and being exceptionally happy throughout the whole thing. Like I've never had a job never had a job that I was like that happy for that long like amount of time. It's kind of cool now to kind of look back and be like, and that is why. I understand that now.
0: Was that a revelation for you to realize that you love to be in charge, that you needed to be in charge?
1: Yeah, that was huge. I actually at first I didn't believe it. Uh, because I was like, what? Cause it's pride <laughs> like to me, it was like this is very prideful. It's all about self-centered and it's about me. And and on top of that, like. I don't know if this is like a, a girl thing or whatever, but like, I always felt like if I was like, I was in a situation and I wanted to, I wanted to lead it or I wanted to help. Like it's, I wouldn't want to be the person to be like, I'll do it. Like I'll lead, let's go this way. Like I, I just feel like it's so selfish to self title, you know? And so then at that point it was it got to a point where I wouldn't recommend myself for anything because of that, because I wanted people to elevate me to that leadership because they trusted me. Mm. Right. But what ended up happening was they didn't want to do that because they didn't want, um, put responsibilities on me that, that perhaps maybe they like, they, they thought I wouldn't want. And the secretly I'm, I'm over here going like, no, I really want to, but I don't want to seem selfish. And then finally, once I had this like revelation of like, this is who I am and this is okay. Uh, it got a lot better. It got like, Hey, I would really love to lead this. If you, you know, if this works for you or uh, if, do you have any ideas? Cause I, I have some ideas too, and maybe we could work together, but I would love to lead the initiative. So anyway, so all of that, I kind of stepped into it. Um, and the more I stepped into it and the more I was like, oh my gosh, just, just suits me. This, like, I, I love this when I wasn't in that role, when I stopped being in those roles that alludes to why it was crying. Cause it was like, this sucks.
0: Well, and I imagine stepping into a fifth business now, knowing that about yourself this time, mm-hmm. that has to be a game changer too.
1: It has to be, but then I have the I have the past four failures to be like, yeah, but you led four and it didn't work. Right.
0: But the knowledge of who you are though is different because the past four you didn't have that knowledge, it sounds like, of yeah. this is who I really am and what I love to do. Whereas with this fifth try, you're yeah. like, this is who I am. That has to be a groundbreaking difference.
1: It really is. And it's also a big difference too, because just, I think people who are really close to me have noticed a difference in just my demeanor. They're like, not, they're like, not to sound like rude or anything, but you've actually been a lot happier since you've been laid off. And I'm like, I, I know, cause I'm in, I'm in charge of what I want to do. I like, I get, you know, I get to plan and scheme and all of these things. But it's still, I'm, you know, I still get really scared of like, is it going to work out? But I got to make it or make it. (laughs) That's, there's no other choice.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I really appreciate, I mean, there's, there's many things, but the one that is really catching my curiosity is the podcast that you started this time around. And it sounds, it sounds like you've had several others, but this one is called the fifth (laughs) try and it, it's a, you're like, an audio jour- journal. And I love that perspective. And And I think it's important, not just for your growth and st- telling the story of your fifth business, but also for others, you know, like me and, and other people paying attention. You know, we're all getting stuff from it too. So I, I, yeah. I think that's pretty awesome that you're doing an audio journal version of, of your growth.
1: I like it because it kind of reduces the stress for me. It doesn't have to be as per like produced. It can be a little more, you know, top of mind. Um, quite literally, I think of like what I'm going to talk about next time, like at the end when I'm like, and next week we'll talk about, uh, self-talk, you know, (laughs) like that's quite literally kind of how it goes. Um, but it, it, it too is a source because I'm a verbal processor. So it, it, it is a source of ideas. Like the idea for the business journal, I never thought about that whatsoever. It wasn't like I was walking. It wasn't like I have watched a YouTube video or listened to – I I I listen to countless hours of podcasts. You know, right now I'm listening to like how to sell online and how to sell on Etsy and how to market and blah, blah, blah. Like that's all I'm listening to. None of those places were the idea that a business journal came into. It was more of a like, I'm processing. I have a really hard time with self-talk. When self-talk in general is pretty sticky, but when you're in a situation, again, for like the fifth time, it can be a little bit more stickier, right? A little bit more friction there. Um, and so the idea of the business journal just came in, you know, with the diary, which I thought was really awesome. So what I decided to do there with the podcast was just to be vulnerable, to kind of fly by the seat of my pants. And if it comes out, if two comes out that week, because maybe a lot of stuff happened or if one comes out that week, then that's just, that's just how it's going to be. My hope is that it would be a source of learning for everybody who's listening. But at the same time, like it could also be something that my kids could also come back to as I'm learning. Um, And then lastly, it's going to be a chronological diary of the challenge. So right now I'm at a, like, I'm challenging myself to try to make $30,000 this coming year with just my, that paper business, paper craft business. And I want to share like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is like all, like the things that I would be writing in my business journal are essentially things that I'm going to be sharing on that podcast of like, all right. And then of course I want to write those things down too cuz no one's going to want to listen to the keywords they're going to be like I want to see what those are you know so things like that
0: That's awesome. Thanks. I I very much resonated with the negative self-talk episode because that's something that I struggle with a lot. Um I, that's probably not a surprise. Uh, but it's just like one of the things that I I try to tell myself when I'm stuck in those loops of negative self-talk is, would you talk to a friend this way? Right. And and it's the answer is always like, well, of course not, but. <laughs> yeah. And then I proceed to just pound myself back into the ground. And so I just appreciate the the way that you have been sharing and how you're overcoming those negative self-talks and things like that.
1: It's really helpful to know that almost everyone struggles with it. You're not alone, right? So yeah, because I was listening to a podcast of this girl and she's like a millionaire and she sells she sells business cruises. She creates these events mm-hmm. and curates these events for millionaire women. <sighs> and she's sitting there and she's like, she has like this crazy negative self-talk. And I'm like, what? I'm like you in my book have made it, not just made it, but like made it, made it. And you were still struggling with that. Okay. (laughs) So we're all human.
0: Yeah. I would, I would totally have thought the same thing. Like, at what point do we get past negative self talk? Or is that just something that we're always going to be contending with?
1: I think it's like, I think it's like money. I think meaning like we always think we need a little bit more. We, you know what I mean? Like, we always think we need a little bit more. And what I've realized is that I thought that. When we were saving a lot, (laughs) I just need a little bit more. Uh, And I definitely think that now when we're, you know, operating at about a $1,500 deficit, (laughs) we just need a little bit more. And it's like that feeling that that scarcity feeling just seems like not to go away. And it's just something that I've been trying to work on is switching from a scarcity to an abundant mindset. And holy granola, it's just really, it's really difficult it's a lot of like just telling yourself the same thing over and over again whenever you, Mm -hmm. you know, you notice, (laughs) you know, like, Oh, I'm thinking that thing again.
0: Yeah. Since you brought it up scarcity versus abundance. I mean, I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I am firmly entrenched in the scarcity model of life from time to money, everything. I'm sure there's 10 carousel images on Instagram about how to do it. But. How, <laughs> yes. how have you found a way forward even like a small step? I don't need 10 10 carousel images, but like what what have you found that has helped you to find even an ounce of peace in that transition of thinking?
1: Right? For me in this particular season, it has been listing out the things that I'm thankful for quite literally. So it's like, I've been listing out, um, you know, like I was saying before the podcast started rolling, I've just noticed that there's a lot of gifts that are happening. You know, one of them is I had to get an MRI and I had to figure out like what was going on with my back. And I had a friend who was an orthopedic surgeon who just looked at all that stuff for free for me. Um, and so it's, it's not just going like, Oh man, that's really nice. It's more of a like, no, just sitting in it and then continually coming back to it, going, like, you know what? This is, I am so thankful. I mean, I had a friend the other day who just went and got like a gallon of milk for me. Um, you know, so anyway, so just thinking of thankful, 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 thankful. Because what i realized is that how joyful i am is also in a direct relationship to how joyful like or how thankful i am if i'm not thankful i'm not joyful right mm-hmm. and for me in my faith of course i'm going to be more thankful like to god and so i'm going to direct it towards him and and, and 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 thankful to everything from like i'm a photographer i love light i love i have a whole bunch of trees outside of my office And all the trees have different color greens. And of course now we're – because I'm in Georgia. So of course it's still green. Um, (laughs) But like, but we do have a little bit of yellows and oranges and and whatever. But it's like – but I have the light hitting it and it's casting these beautiful shadows. And I'm like I'm just thankful that I have sight and that I love color and I love light and I get to see a display of that every single day. So even if I didn't have those gifts – right from like my friends and I wasn't in those situations I have joy in just seeing the gift of light and color and design that's right outside my window mm-hmm. and I understand that like to me that's so, that's so simple like if if I was really down and out and I heard somebody say that you know I'd be like oh my gosh it's so cliche you know what i mean like good for you you know <laughs> but i really do think that there is a humility that has to come in order to be thankful for such things. Mm. You know, because I think we often take it for granted and we miss it.
0: As you were describing the act of being given gifts, I think for me, learning how to receive those gifts is, has been a step toward abundance Um, and, Mm. and really accepting it with a grateful heart. Um, mm. acceptance is, it's just kind of like, oh, well, well, thank you so much. You're just kind of like, you know, thank you. You know, you don't want to fully, I don't want to fully accept it. Cause then I would have to like deal with the emotions of accepting a gift. One that, mm. that you didn't know you needed or even wanted, but when you get it, you're just like, oh my gosh, like, how did you know?
1: I think you're right. And that kind of, you know, That brings me to something that I probably haven't thought about in a while is that receiving, you also have to really understand that we didn't necessarily do anything to deserve that. Like my friend who's like doing the MRI, like I, I haven't really, I mean, besides I rolled with him at jujitsu, you know, and like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like for the most part, like I've not done anything and it's also something that I can't necessarily repay. So just going like I did, I I don't necessarily deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. This is a true gift. and I'm very thankful for that. That moves you, you know, like being able to see the colors and being able to have a body for me that can walk around, even though I do have a bit of a back issue, you know, the fact that like I have a loving family and I have a loving community around me, you know, just being thankful for all those things and being very humble and realizing that it's not like they owed me that. Right. They don't owe me that.
0: One of the things that I also appreciate that you're doing is you're also, even though you have that loving community around you, you are developing a loving community for others to come in who may not have that so that you can help them in the season of their life and that you can all help each other. What What's that about? What's that called?
1: Yeah. So that's called Rising Tides. And it's from that phrase, you know, rising tides lift off ships. and It was born out of, I was laid off and I wasn't laid off alone. There was a couple of us that was laid off and it was like, do they have a community that they can go to? Like, you know, like when you go and you sign out of your work Slack, right? You no longer have like that, like work Slack, which was where your community was like nine to five. Like you go the next day and you don't have a Slack, you know, you don't have a community to kind of like slide into, like, are you okay? So for me, I didn't have one. Like I kind of just removed everything else that I was doing and I just solely focused on, on work. And so I had to essentially start making one for myself. And then at that point, I realized, hey, this could be really helpful for other people. So now I'm inviting anybody who's like listening to the fifth try, perhaps maybe they are in uh, you know, an entrepreneur spirit, or they want to go ahead and like start something, or they kind of want to learn a little bit more, or they want to have like a little bit of an incubator of like, Hey, these are ideas that I have, or, you know, so we can kind of help each other examine the other facets of the idea, you know, they can join the Slack. So it is still in its infancy. So it's very new. I definitely love the potential for it. That's cool. Thanks.
0: As we end this year and you head into the new year, you have very specific goals. You have very specific intentions. How are you going to leave yourself open to the surprises that will come?
1: Oh, man. Well, not all surprises are good. One of the things I'm realizing as I get older is what I say yes to limits what I can say yes to later on. Yeah. Right? So for me, as as I go into 2023, I have more of a rubric as w- I understand who I am. I understand where I'm going. How is the surprise going to fit into that? If it doesn't, I might really love the person. I might really love the opportunity or whatnot, but I need to be very judicious in my no. Surprises will come. Right, surprises. They they. It's not an if. No, oh, no, no. Yeah, it's not an if. It's a win for sure. But perhaps I think I'm definitely answering that question a lot differently than you probably thought.
0: I I read a phrase recently in a James Patterson novel saying like never ask a question you don't know the answer to, and it, it was referring to the courtroom. But it's just like I I just kind of laugh because it's I would much prefer to ask a question that I don't know the answer to or where it's going to go, and it just. It creates. That's how I stay open to surprise, is being willing to ask those questions that I have no idea what's going to come out of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, which I think is absolutely fitting for what you're doing. Like (laughs) as a, as a like a like, gosh, seven years, oh, well over six hundred podcast. You know, like you have so much experience underneath you. Like underneath you, it's ridiculous. Um, like grandmaster of of longevity over here, like amazing. So yeah, I think that's a great, great quality. But at the same time, I think as an entrepreneur, like we have to understand that there are going to be surprises and some of them are going to help us because perhaps maybe it's innovation. Um, But we have to have a rubric and for us to judge whether or not that surprise is going to be hurtful or helpful, whether or not we need to go into it or not.
0: I love that framing of it. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. That's a great question.
0: Well, you mentioned that you've listened to countless hours of podcasts and I imagine have read thousands of pages of books. What's one or two that have really stood out in this season of time for you?
1: Oh, The Obstacle is the Way is a really good one, right? It's it's a, all right, you got to grin and bear through it. What can you learn through it? And I just got done reading one. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. I've read this one twice now. And it's How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's an old, old one written in like the 1930s. Um and it's absolutely fantastic if you're also like a history buff. So um but it's essentially one of the first kind of like self-help-esque books that are were written specifically to like business women, like professional men and women in the day. So it's it's really interesting. But at the same time it has it is a hundred percent applicable to every single circumstance that you're in.
0: Verbal processors unite. For me and Alicia, we like to talk things out and to get them out of our head and get them into the world so that we can find traction and develop them further. But what about you? How do you get your ideas out? Do you talk them out like Alicia and I do? Perhaps you write them down and and develop them, or maybe you just dive in and start working on them. There are many ways that you can start to get your ideas into play. The main thing is to do it, to find the way that works best for you. Once I understood how I worked on these projects, the more joy I found in actually doing them. So spend some time, learn about what works for you, and start doing it. You never know what projects will come to life for your life and business. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.